0: Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible Talks to Help You Mature as a Follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco.
1: One of the deficiencies of giving these Bible Talks for Meals for Maturity is that any application I give needs to be of a general nature rather than uh, specific. That is, it might be tailor-made to your church family, for example. The Bible teaching in church life is much better for you because the application by your pastor is directed to your soul, your situation, your setting of life circumstances. Much better than these Bible talks or any other on the internet can ever do. So, application in a sermon is always hard. There's no one-size-fits-all application when preaching God's word. That would be nice if there was. It's even harder to apply God's Word when I don't know or can't see you as a listener to the Word being preached. Maybe if you pray for me, you could ask God to help me preach well for Meals for Maturity and that I might have actually good insights to better apply God's Word to all our lives as followers of Jesus. Once more, this disclaimer is meant to remind you that your main diet of God's Word is to be delivered weekly by your weekly and frail jar of clay pastor. But in the meantime, thanks for tuning in. And I do hope and pray that these extra Bible talks equip you for a life of godliness in Christ our Lord. Well, we live in an age where great movies have been made giving us talking animals. You know, where movie stars are paid lots of money to sound like a dog or a cat or a lion or a donkey or fish or rats or dinosaurs or chipmunks or even mermaids apparently can talk. Perhaps you have a favourite animal movie. I grew up on a diet of Scooby-Doo cartoons. I also remember watching the original Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe TV series, uh, which was pretty average compared to the Narnia movies now on the big screen. And of course, Skippy and Flipper were essential viewing after school each week for me. I never really watched Mr. Ed, the talking horse, but I did enjoy Dr. Doolittle stories and how he could talk to the animals. And then, of course, along came the modern movie age of Disney movies and Pixar and DreamWorks and Warner Brothers and Bluey. But nothing could ever beat The Muppet Show and Kermit the talking and singing frog, who I haven't seen for a while, so maybe he's lost somewhere over a rainbow. Think about it, from Lion, The Lion King to Shrek, from Madagascar to Strays, from The Jungle Book to Cat in the Hat, everyone has a favourite animal movie. And if you don't, then maybe you should go and watch Babe and then maybe have some bacon and eggs for dinner. So perhaps because we're somewhat used to talking animals on the big screen, maybe a talking donkey in the book of Numbers isn't so strange. But it should be. It's just plain weird. But it's also wonderful. And it's also true, even if you struggle a little bit to believe it. In Numbers chapter 22, we hear a donkey talking. Now, the donkey might sound a little like Hannah when she reads the account, but I can assure you that Hannah is not a donkey. Maybe when she had her two kids and breastfed them, she felt like a cow, but she wasn't that either. Now, as I think about Holy Scripture, there's not too many places where animals talk across its pages. Perhaps a serpent in the Garden of Eden is one such example. Maybe the giant fish burping out Jonah says, have a, have a nice trip, Jonah, and make sure this time you do what God tells you to do. Uh, can you think of other talking animals in the Bible? But the thing is, if God makes an animal talk in his Bible, then perhaps we do well to listen. Though Adam and Eve shouldn't have listened to the talking serpent back in Genesis 3. Well, What's going on in Numbers chapter 22? Remember, the people of Israel are in pause mode in their journey to the land of Canaan. There's not long to go now as they camp on the plains of Moab. And that's where the king of Moab gets a little worried about this mass of people on his doorstep. King Balak in Numbers 22 decides that no army or coalition of armies can defeat this Israelite nomadic nation. But he can somehow if he can somehow call on the gods, some supernatural force to rain down curses upon Moses and his people, then he might stand a chance of victory in battle. And so in chapter 22, we meet this foreign prophet, this seer, who can be hired for cash. and King Balak decides to pay this guy Balaam enough money to come and curse Israel. You see, before there was Jim's gardening and Jim's cleaning and Jim's dog washing and Jim's carpet cleaning and Jim's gym. Jim can apparently get around and do a lot of things. Before Jim's franchises came along, there was Balaam's profit for hire. Maybe his face was even stamped on his saddlebag, along with the slogan, want to make a profit, then hire a profit. So Balaam, this strange guy in the Old Testament appearing out of nowhere, turns up on the scene. Apparently, he knows a little bit about the God of Israel, enough to pray to him and ask his advice. And King Balak says, Balaam, I'll pay you well. Just come and call down curses on Israel and this Moses guy. And very clearly in chapter 22, verse 12, God tells Balaam, No, don't do this wicked thing. Don't take the money and run. Besides, Balaam, haven't you heard Genesis 12, 1 to 3? My people Israel will be blessed. You or no one else can ever curse them without my permission. But then things get a little strange when God does allow Balaam to go ahead in verse 20. And we read, God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. And then in verse 21, we meet a major character in the drama to follow. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey so verse 22 away goes balaam to meet the king of moab but then things get a little bit funny and we're meant to laugh at balaam and this amazing episode
0: numbers chapter 22 verses 22 to 27 but god's anger was kindled because he went and the angel of the lord took his stand in the way as his adversary Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand and the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field and Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place, where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff.
1: Verse 22, we read God's anger is kindled against Balaam because he went, even though earlier we were told that God allows him to go. Has God changed his mind here? Well, not really. What God seems to be allowing is for Balaam to go the way that his heart is leading him, which we know from the last Bible talk is really the way of wickedness and greed for money. Perhaps a better translation is God's anger is kindled against Balaam as he went, rather than because he went. God is simply uh, giving Balaam over to what his heart desires, which we know from scripture, this is never going to end very well. Well, here in our passage is the third encounter Balaam has with God. Remember, I pointed out all the threes happening across this story. This meeting with God happens via his donkey, whom we assume up to this point in time has always acted quite normally as donkeys are supposed to act, and that she's never really spoken to her boss before. But throw an angel of the Lord into the picture, blocking the road of this donkey, and she will act a little strangely. Scottish novelist poet, and the poet and travel writer Robert Louis Stevenson, remember Treasure Island fame, Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson also wrote a book, about his travels with a donkey across France in 1879. It was an early taste of travel writings uh, that become quite popular nowadays. In his story, he tells about a time when he decided to buy a donkey, whom he named Modestine, to carry his supplies as he travels through various French towns. Now, never owning or working with a donkey before, Stevenson becomes the laughingstock of villagers as his donkey sometimes decided not to not budge or do what was commanded of it. The author doesn't tell us uh, that if he sees an angel in front of Modestine, though that could explain a thing or two about his stubborn donkey. But here in our story, in Numbers chapter 22, three times we're told the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. And basically, it goes on strike and refuses to carry Balaam any further along in his journey. Now, if you've lived in Sydney or another capital city, you probably know about bus or train strikes or tram strikes. You know, stop work meetings for better pay and better conditions and stuff like that. Well, here, it's a donkey strike. And she stubbornly stops her travel route and basically, this donkey lays down tools. And as the donkey goes on strike, because of this dirty, great, big angel blocking her path, Balaam decides to do a little striking of his own. And no surprise, three times he strikes out at his poor donkey. Let's hear what happens next.
0: Numbers chapter 22, verses 28 to 35. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, "'because you have made a fool of me. "'I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you.' "'And the donkey said to Balaam, "'Am I not your donkey, "'on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? "'Is it my habit to treat you this way?' "'And he said, No.' "'Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, "'and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, "'with his drawn sword in his hand. "'And he bowed down and fell on his face.' And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak.
1: Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? Now, to argue whether donkeys have the right vocal cords to be able to speak is actually to miss the entire point. It's the Lord who opens its mouth to bring forth human speech, just as the Lord will uncover Balaam's eyes to see the angel. It's the same word used to bring forth speech from the donkey. Uh, It's actually the same word used in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 27, where we read, God says, But when I speak to you, Ezekiel, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. If God can create donkeys then he's sovereign over whether to allow that donkey to speak or not. Unusual? Yes. Impossible? No. What I think is perhaps more surprising is that Balaam carries on in verse 29 as as if this is all just quite normal. He doesn't seem at all shocked that his previously neighing donkey is now a talking donkey. And then in the ongoing donkey-Balaam chit-chat, we learn that the donkey is actually talking sense and Balaam is actually talking like a fool or a donkey, perhaps. In verse 29, Balaam even accuses his talking donkey of making him look like a fool, though he's already made a fool of himself. The talking donkey basically says, hey, buddy, you you should have known better than to beat me three times because I've never gone on strike before. Maybe you should have realised that God might be trying to get through that thick skull of yours. Basically, the donkey has saved Balaam's life by stopping, it, by stopping in its tracks. Am I allowed to say the ass has saved Balaam's ass? So God stops Balaam at this point because he's about to abuse or sell his prophetic gift for profit. He's ready to hire himself out like a prostitute prophet for money. Well, thankfully, Balaam learns his lesson, for the time being at least. Verse 34, then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. But God tells Balaam to now go ahead and meet with King Balak. But he's reminded again in verse 35 and in verse 38, but speak only the word that I tell you. Well, the point of the talking donkey to Balaam is pretty clear, isn't it? Israel is a camp poised, ready to enter the promised land that God's giving them. They actually have nothing to fear from a a foreign pagan prophet. There's nothing to fear about what he might say about Israel before King Balak. God's in total control. He remains sovereign over his people. And if God can open the mouth of a donkey, then he can control the mouth of Balaam as he speaks across chapters 23 to 24, which we'll come to next time. And with this talking donkey also comes the clear lesson, I think. Balaam, who's supposed to be this seer, this prophet who knows about God, he's actually shown up to be blinder and dumber, less discerning, less articulate, less righteous and more foolish than even his donkey. Balaam's supposed to be this great prophet, this great seer of Mesopotamia, but he can't even see what his donkey sees. Uh, Rich Mullins sings about this song, uh, sings about this story rather, and he concludes, if God can speak through a donkey, then you'll never know who God's going to use, maybe even you and me. The same message is brilliantly put into song by the legendary Don Francisco. Listen to these lyrics. The, Lord, the, one, the, the Lord's the one who makes the choice of the instrument he's using. We don't know the reasons and the plans behind his choosing. So when the Lord starts using you, don't you pay it any mind. He could have used the dog next door if he'd been so inclined. It's a simple reminder that even for you and me, as we bumble along in our Christian witness, as we stumble along, not quite knowing what to say sometimes about Jesus to those who are sceptical or those who are opposed to the gospel, it's a simple reminder that if God can use a donkey, then he can somehow use even you and me to speak of his wonders in Jesus. So even if we feel we lack the gifts or abilities or articulation, in humility we realise God can even use you and me to declare the wonders of his grace. He could have used the dog next door if he'd been so inclined. Now in the last Bible talk, we discovered that across Holy Scripture, Balaam doesn't come out actually looking very good. In fact, he's a greedy, good for nothing pagan prophet. He has no relationship with Israel's God. He's just a prophet for hire. And the rest of the Bible shows us the two great sins of Balaam, that money is his idol and that he's a champion of sexual immorality. In New Testament terms, he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing, or maybe a donkey in sheep's clothing. As Bible readers, though, we shouldn't be all that surprised that God chooses to use even a wicked pagan prophet like Balaam to take part in his salvation story over us. Across Scripture, in his sovereign power, God will use the wickedness of a pharaoh to show his glory in the Exodus story. He will use the pagan kings of Babylon and Persia and Tyre and the Greek and Roman empires to bring about his redemption purposes. Psalm 22 verses 27 to 28 reminds us, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. If he can rule over the nations he can certainly rule over Balaam and his donkey. God can certainly break all the rules and confound us with a talking donkey. And not for the last time will God use a donkey to display his glory. Remember the next great donkey story we hear across the Bible? In the Gospel accounts the Lord Jesus instructs his disciples to go and track down a donkey and Jesus says Go into the village and immediately as you enter it, you'll find it tied up. If anyone says to you, why are you taking this donkey? Say, the Lord has need of it and we'll send it back here immediately. So in the sovereignty of God, there is a donkey ready for the Lord Jesus. And on that donkey, he will ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, fulfilling the scripture from Zechariah chapter 9. Unlike Balaam's donkey, though, this one doesn't speak, but the crowds do. Hosanna, blessed be this son of David. So one donkey in Numbers is used by God for judgment. Another donkey in the Gospels is used by God for salvation. And recall what Jesus says to the Pharisees about the crowd's exuberance uh, over Jesus. He replies, I tell you, if these were silent, if the crowds were silent, the stones would shout out. Perhaps he could have also said even a donkey might shout out the praises of God. John Wesley, the great gospel servant of another era, spoke rightly when he said God would raise up still more unlikely instruments to declare his praise. Numbers chapter 22 and the talking donkey is a great Sunday school lesson, but it's also a great lesson for grown-ups as we seek to travel our journey home by faith. One final thing, always be ready to wise up if while you're out walking your dog or your cat or your ferret, that if your pet animal decides to turn around and speak to you, then maybe, just maybe, God's trying to get through to you.
0: Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.